I don't know about you, but I have been in a pretty desperate need lately for hope. And um, so I'm so excited today because if you're in need of some hope, we have some hope for you. We um, filmed a conversation that we're super excited about. It's something that felt uh, really important. I feel like this season of life uh, with COVID and all of the madness, it's kind of um, created, I don't know, a need for us to be more inward thinking and, and thinking about protection and thinking about ourselves and our, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but I think it's a really good thing when we can look outside of ourselves at what God is up to all over the world. That when things seem scary and overwhelming in our lives or in our houses or, or our families, that all over the place, God is on the move and he is absolutely up to something. And so I'm so excited uh, for this conversation coming up. So let's read our scripture together and then we'll jump right in. We're going to read uh, Psalm 103 and we'll start at verse 5. Verse 5 says, He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful slow to get angry and filled with an unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has moved our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for joining us for worship today. I'm here with Josh and Lindsay. A uh, quick story. We were in a financial board meeting together not long ago, and Josh gave a presentation to let us know about what was happening in uh, missions and all the things we do connected to that. And it was incredible. We were kind of, we were just blown away. Like we know everything that's going on. And yet when it's all on a list in front of us, we were just blown away by how much is going on. Like there is a lot of good news to share. And so here's the thing, Josh is in my opinion to a fault, very hesitant uh, to share numbers and reports because this is a good thing. He does not want to appear boastful. Um, but Josh, we just want to celebrate what God's doing because it is incredible and we want the whole church to know about these things. So uh, there's a number of things we're just going to run by Josh. And the first one um, that, again, it feels like common knowledge to us, but I think there could be a good bit of people who don't yet know about the new role that you have with Vineyard USA and their mission. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, thanks. Um, well, good to be with you guys. And uh, we... I've been doing the missions thing in Africa and Haiti for a while now, and just recently, uh, over the last year, uh, been able to play a greater role with Vineyard USA and their mission work that they're doing specifically in Africa. And so there was uh, one individual that was kind of helping the USA to do the work they do in Africa, and they decided, um, he, he moved on to something else, and they decided to make that into a role for two people. So I'm the co-regional coordinator for Africa, and mainly um, focusing on West Africa and French-speaking uh, West Africa and so it's been great because it's really I think uh, helped accelerate not only what we do but also give uh, platforms for other people to see uh, what the success that we've had in the Ivory Coast which we'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes um, and just to kind of 
collaborate together to share uh, what's working and to work more efficiently as the vineyard in Africa. So yeah, I'm loving the role. It's great. And it's starting to give us some some reach and con into other countries slowly but surely, or at least some impact. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and the sky's the limit for the future on what that'll mm -hmm. look like. We uh, started working in the Ivory Coast uh, or Cote d'Ivoire and we had uh, really a vision uh, to start working with unreached people groups and to go to the north, um, specifically in French-speaking countries um, in Africa, in West Africa. And so we were looking at Mali and Burkina Faso and Niger and Guinea and some of these countries. Uh, but we knew we needed a base first and God really gave us that vision and it wasn't clear exactly how that was going to look. We had some dreams and some aspirations, but uh, this new role I think is helping give us a, the platform needed to really you know, advance in those areas. And so I think God's going to continue to use our church to, to be a big part of, big part of catalyzing some of that stuff. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I think, uh, if, if you're new with us, one thing that you may not know is what Josh was just talking about that a few years ago, God legitimately set you, I, the best way I know to say is you like got set on fire for unreached people groups all over the world and you and our Haitian friends and, and somehow this, um, amazing vision is birth that we're gonna you and in turn our church is gonna uh, spend time in Muslim West Africa and so um, I think uh, one of the things that's been like uh, hope for me like a dose of hope for me is that those efforts haven't been like crazy thwarted because of COVID so much in our world has uh, kind of had the brakes put on it but then we're seeing this financial board meeting and you tell us like that's really not been the story. So will you talk about what's going on in Cote d'Ivoire? Yeah, it's really cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring my phone out here. I have some, uh, like Aaron said, I don't love sharing numbers, but it's, I think it's worthwhile to celebrate some of the numbers. things. Yeah, they're good numbers and they're worth, <laughs> and, and they represent people, you know. Um, one of the things when we first started working with unreached people groups in West Africa uh, that we did was something that we had already played a part in in Haiti and that was doing something called disciple making movements which is just a look back at how Jesus made disciples um, some folks all over the world are, are starting to kind of look back at man how did Jesus do this stuff and what does it look like especially with unreached people groups and so we implemented this that, that Jesus strategy there and I mean you know I think it was the right thing to do no matter what but it's especially interesting during a pandemic um, yeah. because when you look at the early church and how it spread it spread in persecution and and mm -hmm. things kind of like a pandemic and so I was so interested in tracking how the leaders that we trained in Cote d'Ivoire uh, were doing during this COVID season um, and so I'll just read this one uh, this one thing that I sent to the financial board like Aaron was talking about in the letter I just wrote, concerning the three people groups that we're currently working with in Cote d'Ivoire, I had reported to you guys, to our church, in February, just before the pandemic went viral, uh, that from June 2019 to February 2020, there were 319 new discovery groups started, um, and, the and then 1,858 new followers of Jesus. Now, those are almost all Muslim background believers. So that's awesome, and but we were like, man, is this going to hold out during the pandemic? Since the pandemic, so the numbers um, from March to July of this year, we've seen 213 new discovery groups started and 728 new followers of Jesus. So the progress slowed down a little bit, but it's still multiplicative, um, incredible things happening. And so, in other words, what we hoped and dreamed and kind of the vision God gave us, it's working. And it's working during a pandemic because of the way that it's set up with uh, believers, new believers even, going out, finding persons of peace, 
um, and then uh, it being generational and how they multiply. So yeah, praise God. And I know the strategy has been to kind of go like people group by people group mm -hmm. by people group. Will you talk a little bit about that and where we are now? Yeah, uh, you know, I had given a, 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 a I did in a sermon I think a couple of years ago talking about uh, unreached people groups and how many are still in the world, and so many of those fall in what's called the, the 1040 window, which is a, 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 a part of the world where most of those unreached people group fall. Um, and a lot of those are in West Africa. And so we said, man, you know, we, we really want to go to a strategic place, uh, start tackling unreached people groups, uh, training indigenous people to do some of the things like what we, we had done in Haiti, uh, and then to, uh, to propagate the gospel. Um, and uh, eventually for people from an unreached people group to go to the next unreached people group. And that's happened. And uh, we now are uh, working with three unreached people groups. Uh, most of those are in the center to north of Cote d'Ivoire. Um, and we uh, are about to tackle a fourth, God willing. We work with some partner churches. You guys may not know, but there's some other vineyards that have skin in the game and that uh, we're, we're, we're partnering well with. And so between those partner churches and the partners that we have in Cote d'Ivoire, we're putting our heads together. Uh, it's a very collaborative effort. And um, yeah, we're going to continue to target unreached people groups. But I'll, I'll say a, a quick side note. We also have a real heart to work in a lot of the larger urban areas in Cote d'Ivoire and in some of those other countries that I had mentioned, Mali, Burkina Faso, etc., uh, to do the same strategy but to contextualize it for cities. And so we've actually just launched an effort to do that over this last year. Um, it's uh, gone a little slower than we'd hoped for because of the pandemic, but um, I think it's going to be great. And so, yeah, got a lot of cool stuff happening. Can we just like, I know you're about to say something, yeah, but no. can we just like hit pause for a minute and like try to get our heads around those numbers? Like if you haven't already, we're talking about the last 14 months, we're talking about well over 500 Bible study groups have been started and it's look 25, almost 2,600 new converts, people who are now walking with Jesus, most of whom, virtually all of whom were Muslim in the past. Yeah. That's, Incredible. So in case, yeah, I don't know, we all need some good news. So if that hasn't like landed on your heart and let you celebrate yet, then I just want to give space for that. I interrupted to say it. No, I'm just, come on I want to lead Josh to tell my favorite story that you have oh, yeah. told us um, from our friends in West. So Musa is someone that we've all fallen in love with because you love him so much. Mm -hmm. So will you just... We, can I lead you to tell that story? <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, we're talking about all these numbers, but it's really cool to talk about. Uh, every once in a while, I'll try to share with you guys just a, a really specific story. And one of the most amazing things that's happened during this pandemic is Musa Traore, who's who's really our main partner. We've got several partners in Cote d'Ivoire, but he's a guy that's really uh, helped to catalyze some of the stuff we're talking about. Uh, he has an incredible testimony. He was uh, a Muslim background uh, individual, had an incredible conversion to Jesus, and uh, has now done all kinds of amazing things, including translating uh, the, the Gospels into his language and, and working on several other languages. So just crazy awesome guy. Uh, but his dad, his, most of his family are still Muslim, and so his, his father was very, very sick uh, during the pandemic, was having a major surgery, uh, had it, didn't come out super well. They were worried about him um, and thought he was going to die. And Moose's wife, Melanie, who's an incredible lady, uh, yeah, she shared the love of Jesus with, with Moose's father, and he uh, accepted Christ as his Savior. Uh, which is incredible, especially for a guy that's been a Muslim for that long and, yeah. and just really steeped in it. He's he's a very devout Muslim, in fact. Um, shortly thereafter, 
he just miraculously was healed of all the things that were troubling, was able to go home, and the doctors were just blown away. Um, and so that's just a really, a really neat thing uh, that happened. Uh, not just another number, but really an incredible story of what God's doing in places like Cote d'Ivoire and amongst Muslim background individuals. So, yeah. I love it, man. This stuff is I, this stuff is really exciting. Um, now we've kind of been focusing on Africa, um, but we started our missions work a number of years ago, focusing on Haiti, and we did not switch from Haiti to Africa. We added all the efforts in West Africa to what's going on in Haiti, and sometimes it's hard to even keep track of everything that's happening in Haiti right now. There's a bunch of simple churches. There is the Freedom House uh, caring for children there. There's the school in, in Laborde and the Abercrombie's in Fret de Pen. Like there's mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff going on there. And a lot of people in our church are really connected to what's happening. So again, give us another rundown on, on all that's going yeah, on. Yeah, we can talk about it forever. I, yeah. I, I'll start with the Abercrombie's. I mean, so many of you guys I know uh, care so much about them and are helping to support them. Our church is helping to support them. Uh, for those of you who don't know who the Abercrombie's are, they were a, a family of four in our church. They have uh, two beautiful kids. They're not little anymore. They're getting big. Um, uh, but uh, they uh, went and, and started um, a clinic in Ferret de Pen, which is a very remote part of Haiti. Uh, and they built it from the ground up and they are just crushing it. And they are uh, bringing health care and the love of Jesus to a whole community uh, where there was not health care. And so literally a lot of lives are being saved through their work, um, both physically and spiritually. They're just doing an incredible thing. Uh, oh, and and, real quick, uh, sometimes we get to see the Abercrombie's online worshiping with us and yeah. maybe even now. So if you see the name Abercrombie's, that's who that is. And so, and if you're there now, we love you guys so much. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, good interruption. Uh, yeah, then the, Aaron mentioned the school we have in Laborde. Uh, and there's so much to say about that, but we started a school in a place actually where a lot of the kids that are now in the Freedom House uh, come from. And they, uh, uh, there, no schools, no churches, no anything in that area. And that school is just thriving. About a, 130 kids that would have never got an education. Tons of people are coming to Christ in that area. Just so many, many neat things. Uh, simple churches, which is um, very similar to the work we're doing in West Africa. It's a, it's a disciple-making movement. They are approaching their 1,000th simple church. Um, so some of those are like, you know, small, five to I'm ten sorry, people. I'm sorry, it sounded like you said 1,000. 1,000. 1,000. Yes. Uh, yeah, some of them are small, five to ten people. Some of them have grown to like two, three, four hundred people. And so it's just crazy, man. So Gabriel Lindor uh, has a whole team of people. He's he's a Haitian national that we've partnered with for a long time, good friend of ours. Um, yeah, he uh, they're, they're crushing it. And um, so let's end the Freedom House just to, yeah. to, to close on the, the Haiti stuff. A uh, big vision for the Freedom House. I, I can't give away too much because we're about to start uh, sharing more about this, but uh, a lot of the kids are going to be aging out of the Freedom House soon. A lot of those kids come from a, a Restavig background, which is a, a form of slavery. It's kind of an indentured servanthood background. Uh, really sad stories, but now God has just uh, rehabilitated and, and is doing incredible things with a lot of those kids. Um, but we're, as they age out, we're looking at what the next version of the Freedom House looks like. And I'll just tell you, it's really, really exciting. A uh, little teaser there just to keep you coming back. But um, yeah, so man, stuff in Haiti's great. Yeah, and then 
it sounds like j even with the pandemic, just this year, there have been hundreds of new disciples of Christ through this. Gosh, let me bring those numbers ministry. up too. Do you have those numbers in front of you? I, I, I do. I do. <laughs> Why don't you say that? No. <laughs> keep no, it actually, just I, I have it right here. Yeah, um, Gabe actually just sent me a report, and 582 people have indicated that they've begun to follow Jesus for the first time in, in 2020 alone in Haiti through Simple Church Ministries. So mm -hmm. almost six, 600 people. Yep. Yeah, man, just a, a ton of amazing things happening. Okay, so I'm going to sort of curveball you here, but um, we in both congregations have been spending a lot of time over the last few months talking about intentionally about um, what it looks like to follow Jesus for us here in America and um, what it looks like for us to follow Jesus in the middle of the pandemic. And um, so I want to ask you, because for me, when I talk about spiritual formation or following Jesus, when I, I think about people in my life that I go to regularly to see, what are you reading? What are you doing? I'm in a, I'm stuck here. Help me. You are one of those people in my life. Um, and Aaron's like, like you are that friend to us. And so sure. our question is, um, with all that you're doing in the world, what do you do to care for your own soul here? Yeah. I love the question. We often talk about like spiritual disciplines or, or a lot of the times we talk about it in terms of rhythms in our life. And this is gonna sound really cheesy, but I, I guess the way of thinking about it, because the way that, uh, especially increasingly in, in my life, that that's that what that's looked like for me has been a lot of steady ongoing rhythms. Um, like reading the Bible is a pleasure for me. Like I just love it. I, I love history, I love like the, the intrigue, I love all the different writing forms, and I just love the stories. And that's always been easy. Prayer has been more difficult. And so um, the consistent things, you know, I've, like Bible reading that I do every morning, you know, oftentimes journal and stuff like that. But I have to get really creative with prayer. And so if we talk about rhythms, this is the cheesy part. If we talk about rhythms, like, you know, you got like orchestras that have certain kinds of rhythms and they're very like to the point and all that. And then you got jazz, you know, that's just all over the place. Yeah. And jazz is kind of like what I have to do with prayer. I have to get really creative. I have to mm -hmm. bounce around the rhythms and do what works for me. Um, and sometimes it doesn't even sound like it, like spiritual, um, but you can take beautiful things like poetry or like hiking or like uh, reading a biography and learning about somebody and then thinking, man, that's incredible how God used them or on and on and on. And so I know that's a little bit scattered. I would say I have ongoing rhythms that are really helpful and keep me grounded. Um, but then with prayer especially, it's like how can I connect with God in unique ways that make me think, that build creativity, that also brings forth worship. Um, and so I guess my answer and like an encouragement to somebody would, would be to say, yeah, have things that keep you grounded. That's so helpful, but you know, be a little jazzy. <laughs> with, your, with, with your rhythms I mean let, let God speak to you how he speaks to you and what brings life to you and how can you go deeper you don't have, just have to do it the way Aaron does I mean what works for Aaron's fantastic but that doesn't necessarily work for you and so we can learn some things from each other other things let's just you know let the Holy Spirit guide us so hope that yeah helps. no I think that's huge and learning how to ask people what like you are where I learned of like walking as a spiritual practice like mm -hmm. you walk all the time that's 
how you pray, that's how you and, evangelize. And, and, I mean, and you do side so note, much. slow walking is something that I've recently been turned on to. It sounds, seriously, if you know me, I'm You're the like, fastest walker. Yeah, I, I, Josh I, I and I love. were in a prayer walk and I had to submit a complaint because he was walking so fast and my short legs wouldn't come. God has so. seriously said, slow down, <laughs> smell the smells, see the things around you, and really listen. And I'm telling mm -hmm. you, it's, it's powerful. There's a, there's a thing in slow walking, so maybe that's for somebody out there. Yeah. I love it. I love that you have your foundational things. This is what I do. And you have these other things that you kind of dial in mm -hmm. based on the season that you're at or what the Lord might be doing in your life at the time. I think mm -hmm. that's a mature response. Good. Well, thank you. Thank you for the updates. And thank you for being with us. Um, a couple of things. Uh, one is that you can find Josh uh, via email if you have any questions or thoughts or you want to support him, anything like that. Uh, Josh.Armstrong at VineyardChurch.us. And then also you can find our mission stuff via social media. So there is a missions Facebook and Instagram. We'll get those links to you. And um, so there are ways that you can find Josh and find updates like this more regularly than we may do them in person or on the video. But um, we're so grateful for what you're doing and we're so grateful uh, to be churches that get to be involved in things so wide and so much outside of ourselves. And so we love ya. Oh, I love you guys too. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks.